Welcome to Dig It. This is Edge with my co-host, Corey Lynn of Corey's Digs. How are you doing today, Corey? I'm doing good. Ready to rock and roll. We got nice. a whole bunch to cover in this one. Yep. Yep. We sure do. We sure do. So you wrote a, an article just right before we published, and this is going to be interesting to go over. I love looking back at history, so I'm interested in this one. So, Oh, I know. I, I could do nothing but just review old no newspaper clippings. It's so fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, talk about predictive programming, right? I mean, as far back as 1920. So yeah, we'll get into that. And then we're going to talk pretty in depth about universal basic income and really how far along they've gotten with universal basic income and the food stamp trap. So Mm -hmm. we'll get into that. And uh, this Federal Reserve announcement of six banks, six of the largest banks running some pilot program scenario on climate Right. So yeah, going to have to talk about that. Um, also, speaking of banks, major happenings with Credit Suisse, Deutsche Bank, potentially facing collapse. So we need to talk about that. And then kind of on, piggybacking on top of that is this provocation of war everywhere. We're seeing it mm-hmm. globally. And so we need to really see how, talk about how that's related and connected to the economic side of things. But also some good news um, on your site and some updates on your site on CoreySticks.com, including a new podcast page, a new solution series episode, and a new article and interview coming out soon. So you've been really busy lately. I've been been insane lately, just multitasking. Yeah, I was up through the middle of the night working on editing um, this audio discussion I had. So I'm really excited to finally get that done. I've been wanting to do that for a while and have some information to add to that um, in written form as well. So that'll be out next week. um, And that pertains to the whole wonderful food industry. Um, But show them the podcast page because Now, I used to have a page on here called Streams, and I was pulling in the YouTube playlist so that I could separate out the podcast from videos and interviews and all that. Uh, Well, as everyone knows, YouTube nuked us. So um, what I did is I kind of reconstructed this, and uh, Zach Pack helped me out with some code here to aggregate. So if you scroll down, uh, what I have is the full list uh, of links where you can find our podcasts and any videos and interviews, but then also picked five. So we got uh, Rumble, BitChute, Odyssey, uh, Gab TV, and SoundCloud, where it's an RSS, so it's automatically pulling in links to the you know five most recent posts. So. If anyone's trying to remember where to find us, what platforms we're on, this is a real easy way. If you're going in my site to check resources or read a report anyways, just click on the podcast tab and you can find find them all right there. So Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. And hopefully that'll drive some new eyes to the podcast and all, as well as um, recapturing a lot of people that we lost uh, when new YouTube nuked us and they don't know where to find us. Hopefully right. it's simple enough for them to be able to find us on a multitude of other po- uh, platforms, which we need to build up. So right. thank you for doing that. That's awesome. Yeah. And then we've got, uh, let's see, James and I have a new episode on the solution series that came out uh, Thursday night with John Jacob Schmidt on uh, 
grid down comms and it's really, really good, really helpful. He's a wealth of information. So if you're looking to get into um, ham radios, internet mesh networks, you know, he covers a lot of details and kind of dumbs things down because there, let me tell you, there's a huge learning curve with all that stuff. And it's really, a really important because everyone's so focused on food and everything else, but they're, you know, comms is going to become a very important necessity, I believe. Agree. Yeah. And I would love to learn about ham radios. I've always thought, you know, that would be a really cool skill. So interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. I'll have to check that out. So do you want to talk about this latest article you published this morning? Yeah. So this was just, I was working on um, gathering some research on part two of my report on laundering with immunity. And I happened to just come, come across this. And I thought, you know, I remember seeing like one sentence from this in quotes that some people had shared, but I've never seen the whole article. So what I'm just going to read this because it's pretty short. Um, and, and I have the screenshot at the bottom of the actual uh, newspaper clipping. So this is from 1920. And it's important because of the language, which I, I know <laughs> your jaw is just going to drop on this edge. But it's important because there are still over a hundred years later, you know, I mean, we all know that this has been planned for well over a hundred years, but it's just wild when you look back and you see the words that were used because they were much more, um, they weren't so as concerned about hiding things. And then they went into this whole, let's, you know, the dialectics of the words and let's change it all and fluff it up. And, and now we're starting to see a reverse of that, like a breakdown of that, where they're just coming out and kind of saying it like it is, and they're trying to hide it behind words, but it's almost like their whole language has been unveiled, you know, and people yeah. all just see right through that crap now. So anyways, so this, this is a dream of Montclair man. So Frederick T. Gates vision cited in report advocating elimination of Rockefeller boards. Now, for those who don't know, uh, Frederick T. Gates, Frederick Taylor Gates, he was um, the Rockefeller, John D. Rockefeller's main like business and philanthrop- philanthropic advisor from 1891 to 1923, involved in in everything with the Rockefellers. So, and before uh, people, I'm sure people will go, is he connected to Bill Gates <laughs> somehow? And I remember digging into this Gates guy back yep. when I was researching the Rockefellers. I couldn't find the connection. I couldn't connect it either. Now, I'm not saying there isn't. I haven't been able to connect it. Uh, so. Okay, so the repeal of the state laws granting charters to the Rockefeller Foundation and the General Education Board is included in the program of educational reform outlined by the Committee on Education of the New York State Federation of Labor. This report was read Tuesday at the Federation Convention in Binghamton. The committee, of which Peter J. Brady is chairman, says... We urge trade unionists and working people in general to be on the alert and extremely careful of the Rockefellers and other selfish money interests, which seek to secure control of the education system and prevent their interference in the preparation of courses of study or the selection of members of educational bodies. Frederick T. Gates, when president of the Rockefeller General Education Board, 
in their publication known as Occasional Papers Number 1, on page 6 says, In our dreams, we have limitless resources, and the people yield themselves with perfect docility to our molding hand. The present education conventions made from our minds and unhampered by tradition, we work our own goodwill upon a grateful and responsive rural folk. We shall not try to make these people or any of their children into philosophers or men of learning or of science. We have not to raise up from among them authors, editors, poets, or men of letters. We shall not search for embryo great artists, painters, musicians, nor shall we cherish even the humbler ambition to raise up from among them lawyers, doctors, preachers, politicians, statesmen, of whom we now have ample supply. The task which we set before ourselves is a very simple as well as a very beautiful one, to train these people as we find them to a perfectly ideal life just where they are (laughs) on page page 10. So we will organize our children into a little community and teach them to do in a perfect way the things their fathers and mothers are doing in an imperfect way, in the homes, in the shop, and on the farm. And the, and the rest of it is just a couple more paragraphs that has to do with like the committee reading and, and how they were urging for free dental, free medical, optical, and surgical and whatnot. But I mean, wow. Talk just, about saying it like it is. Right, right. At translation, we are going to dumb down yeah. the common folk <laughs> through the educational system to be trained workers Yep. To be just completely compliant and to never seek anything, to never have any kind of aspirations for a better mm-hmm. life for themselves or their children, to never try to be anything other than a rural farm worker. Yep. yep. Wow. Right? I know. I just, and I know, like I said, there's there's like a couple sentences in here I've seen float around before, but I've never seen this whole piece. And I think all of it is pretty critical information just to show uh, that nothing has changed and they've come a long way. (laughs) Yeah. They have come a long way. Their goals never changed. It's just they're being, they were much more transparent about their goals early on. Right. 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 Oh, wow. And now people are just seeing through them. But yeah, so I so I just wanted to publish that so people could see it because I think it, especially for those who have friends or family where they're kind of on the fence trying to understand this and they say, look, this has been their goal, always been their goal. And it's not just about the education system because we know, which is why I have related reading down here with some of my other reports, we know that the Rockefellers as well as many other families have been uh involved in every single industry, every single industry with trying to control it, monopolize it and keep people dumbed down and ignorant. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, the pharmaceutical industry is solely, uh, (laughs) you know, was birthed by the Rockefeller foundation and the Rockefellers. So, I mean, you can see this, this plan implemented over a hundred years ago, really playing out and coming to a head now yeah it's crazy crazy yeah yeah 
So moving on and kind of, you know, <laughs> into seg- more crazy segueing <laughs> <laughs> into that, we have this report about how every U.S. city is testing free money programs. Guaranteed income mm-hmm. programs are underway in more than a dozen cities in the U.S. Is this the start of the true universal universal basic income. So it's pretty staggering when you look at these pilot programs that they have going uh, all over the country. Oh yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's incredible. Um, we, we've talked about this before in our podcasts, um, alerting people when some of these started trickling out and now we're up to almost a hundred mayors involved in this. And by my count in in this piece that you're showing right here, the year in review from 2021 to 2022, um, 23 of them alone were in California. There's probably more now. They're shelling out um, tons of money. What, at 200 million? I mean, and that was that was up through June uh, of this year. And and you look at this the map, and <sighs> I love maps. And it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's your typical test pilot states that they use, but I mean, they've, they've got this in some red states too. And I know you've pulled up some articles on a handful of the specific ones, but that first article link that you pulled up lists a whole bunch of states and shows the pilot programs and what they're doing. But it seems like in most cases, the average seems to be around $500 a month, doesn't it, Edge? Yeah, I've seen 500 going up to well beyond that, thousands of dollars. Really? Uh-huh. Really? Yeah, so. And, um, and they seem to be focused on, um, well, you pulled up the articles, so you can you can talk about, oh, oh, but one thing in this article, they say member cities could apply for up to 500,000 in funding for their own pilot programs, courtesy of a $15 million donation from Twitter CEO, Jack Dorsey. Oh yeah. I saw that. <laughs> Thanks Jack Dorsey. <laughs> How nice of you. Wow. Well, so we have big tech participating in it, but what I noticed through this is that a lot, a lot of the funding is coming from COVID money from the American rescue plan. I keep seeing that over and over again, as well as the cares act. I know the font here is really tiny, but just rest assured that a lot of these pilot programs, they're based off of money from so-called COVID relief. So mm-hmm. yeah, but we're looking at a um, hundred mayors at this point um, that have signed on to this and are supporting this, um, just to highlight a few cities. So here's Denver. Um, well, first of all, let me just kind of preface it by saying that all of these universal basic income programs talk about equity a lot in the same (laughs) way Kamala Harris just suggested that federal assistance after hurricane Ian will be prioritized to people of color, right? Because, you know, white people didn't suffer in hurricane Ian. No, 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 not at all. There's no poor white people out there. Nope. No. So um, take a look at Denver. So they're going to be gearing this universal basic income program that's going to be delving out $12,000 in UBI income payments um, exclusively to homeless people who are either women, part of families, 
or gender non-conforming and non-binary. So if you're a now, straight now that, homeless person, a straight homeless male, you're screwed. <laughs> right? Now, is that 12000 a year? Is that like a $1,000 a month? Or how is that broken down? I'm not exactly sure how it's broken down. $12,000 in direct payments. Um, the funds will come from a $2 million in federal COVID money. Mm-hmm. So I would imagine that would be delved out over a series of months, however they're ru- however long they're running the pilot program. Let's see. Um, providing $12,000 in direct payments to a small group of unhoused people over the course of a year. So that's how long they're running it. So um, $12,000 to each individual who... Uh, qualifies over the course of a year so which 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 coincidentally and ironically just shows that what their plan back in you know the early 1900s and probably prior to that was to keep people dumbed down and unskilled and reliant has been quite successful and look there are single moms out there that are struggling there are families that are struggling they're pushing hyperinflation they're 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 creating this nightmare like they always do they're creating this crisis and there are truly people who do need assistance but we know what the real game is here what the end game is here is to move to universal income to keep people constantly reliant um Absolutely. And that's what's frustrating. And what cracks me up is you look at this article and they talk about the, uh, the, the momentum um, in these grassroots nonprofit, right? So they mentioned income movement. So I looked that up. Well, gee, that was created in September, 2019. Interesting timing, but grassroots. Sure. Right, sure. right. And, right. and, and these, so these different nonprofits are setting up to help assist they have one called miracle money program it provides five hundred dollars per month in direct cash transfers to participants so they're doing following this money in many directions not just through the states but through nonprofits to get people on board with this and then when you look at that that year in review they talk about narrative control and I got to scroll down to find this now. It's on page seven. Um, Changing changing hearts hearts, and minds. Yeah, changing (laughs) hearts and minds. As narrative cannot be separated out from guaranteed income work, it is imperative that anyone building a pilot understand the significance of the ways in which harmful narratives shape our policy, politics, and culture, as well as how we can shift these narratives toward a positive vision of an economy centered on well-being, equity, and dignity for all. And, and they get into this in more detail, um, but it's it's all about, uh, they call it their narrative shift uh, to, you know, get make sure, mm-hmm. make sure that we get everyone convinced this is a good idea. Right. Universal right. basic income, because we want to move into, uh, oh, here, it says here, to do that, we also have to recognize that all facets of this work are in concert with one another. Pilots narrative change and advocacy go hand in hand as part of a strategy leveling up to federal policy. 
There you yep. go. There you go. And, and I think that part of that has to do with the fact that um, the last poll that I showed that was like a legitimate poll was like pre-COVID. And um, I think it was Gallup who ran it, but um, less than half of Americans were even interested in universal basic income, as opposed to, say, Canada and the UK, where they had like overwhelming support for that. So the people in uh, Canada and in Europe are much more receptive to the concept of universal basic income. But in the US, we're a lot more independent minded. We have this sort of capitalistic um, way of wanting to do things where we give equal opportunity to go out and earn what you make. And Mm -hmm. uh, we don't want to be on the government dole and, you know, having to pay that through taxes. So um, I think that the narrative shift is very, very important to them in the U.S. And I think that's why they're running way more of these programs here in America than it seems anywhere else in the world right now. Yeah, check out that map and then show show the other countries. I mean, it is it is a somewhat global agenda, but they are they are targeting the U.S. hard. Yeah. And they say, why all guaranteed income is narrative work? Best practices for centering dignity, race, and gender in cash-based programs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the UBI program is running throughout the world seems sparse in comparison to the concentrated effort here in the U.S. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, and I think that does have to do with changing perceptions about it and getting people onto this ideology, this socialism um, mentality of, you know, universal basic income, but, um, going- well, and, and what's, what's difficult though, is unfortunately we have too many people and we've witnessed this over the last couple of years that are happy and willing to take handouts and they would rather, you know, receive the money from the government, even if it means a little less than if they were to go out and get a job. Right. So there's there's quite a, a laziness to our culture that's and developed it's, over and the it's getting lazier. It's getting lazier and lazier. I've noticed. Yeah, and people are worn down. They're wearing people down too. That's part of the agenda. Part of the game. Yeah, but going back to highlighting some of these cities, Oakland's been running a universal basic income pro- pilot program, and again, they're targeting. Um, specifically people of color. So, I mean, these these programs a lot of times are exclusive to certain targeted groups. And I think a lot of that has to do with votes. You know, these Democrat-run social programs are oftentimes just, you know, buying votes, essentially. But this one in Oakland is specifically targeted to only people who are Black or Indigenous or people of color. So you're white, sorry, not, not eligible for this one. Right. No, but, but if, if it was white and it, you know, then it's discrimination. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So backwards, but anyways, uh, same things going on in Chicago. Um, they, they're launching, you know, one of the largest, uh, basic income programs and, Again, they don't outright say exclusively for people of color, but they use the jargon, you know, they're doing it to tackle racial inequalities. So there you right. have it. Yeah. So um, it, aye, aye, aye. it's, it's so all people about- who know people who know other people that are taking these handouts better start waking them up to what's really going on here. 
Oh, yeah. And look, I mean, as I just previously mentioned, when you dig into where the funding is coming from, a lot of it's coming from um, our money, our taxpayer dollars from the American Rescue Plan and from the CARES Act. I mean, we're talking about uh, so $1.9 trillion for the American Rescue Plan, $2.2 trillion for the CARES Act. I mean, trillions and trillions of dollars. This was all just debt, new debt created, which has gotten us into this massive inflation crisis that we're in today. And this was all under the guise that it was going to be used to combat COVID and get the economy going again. No, it's create the debt. Mm -hmm. crush the economy and use the money to push their agendas exactly exactly just like we said that was all a lie they created this economic crisis by printing the money and now their solution is to use that printed money to get as many people as possible completely dependent on the government through this ubi program you know what i've really been wanting to do but i can't find a second spare (laughs) I really want to go through the most recent bill, the transhumanism one, and do a recap like I did with the infrastructure bill, because I want to see where the pilot programs are and where they're saying they're putting that money, because it just gives us a much broader picture and understanding and and what to watch out for, you know, and and even on, on local levels, especially like with the infrastructure bill that I broke down, people can see and go to into their individual states, see exactly where that money's being allocated. People need to start tracing that and holding their holding them accountable. And they need to go to the city council meetings and they need to, you know, go to their state reps and they need to argue some of this stuff. So I don't know. I've been really wanting to look through that bill and break it down. I just too many other projects on my plate at the moment. Right, right. But it's important to follow the money and where it actually ends up going and how it ends up being used and weaponized against us in this case here. Um, I know that people may not consider universal basic income to be weaponized against us. It absolutely is. When the, when you're completely dependent on the government for your income, what are you willing to do? What kind of freedoms well, are you willing to sacrifice? If they tell you that you can't, this is, this is basically like a coupon it expires you 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 can't build any savings you can't um, and they're going to tell you exactly what you can spend it on mm-hmm. and and for example i got an email out of the blue the other day pertaining to food stamps i've never even been on food stamps in my life and they're telling me i should sign up for this and that they've now increased food stamps by 25 percent so what I, what I could totally see them doing is I don't know if I've known people that have been on it before and they would have these cards and, and they would just scan, like swipe the card at the register. So I could totally see that saying, sorry, you can't get that cheeseburger today. <laughs> or exactly. you, you can't get those chips. I mean, what a great control mechanism. Absolutely. And this all plays into the total reset, the financial reset side of things where they want to switch us to CBDCs, have a social credit system, control every kind of purchase, every kind of business transaction, all based off of the climate hoax, where if you cap out on using too much energy, you're cut off. So it's all about control and UBI is another tool in their toolbox to do it. And you know, what's really sad. It just breaks my heart because there are people out there suffering and there are vets and there are single moms and there are 
you know, there are programs that are important, like food stamps. Like I've known people that work their butts off their whole life. And then they, they, you know, just bad things happened and they needed assistance for a few months. And, and I have nothing against that. You know, it's those that take advantage of the system or um, choose to do nothing and just opt for that system that help to contribute creating this control mechanism. Right. And as far as this whole changing the narrative on UBI to change hearts and minds, <laughs> you know, of course, they're not going to tell you about how these kinds of pilot programs are not new. They've failed. Um, Finland's a good example. They were forced to shut down their universal basic income program after the social experiment failed because, awesome. oh, shocker, it took two years. But the government of <laughs> Finland finally realized that giving money away can get too big. Too expensive. <laughs> That's classic. <laughs> yeah, it was extremely expensive. And then when they kind oh. of when they kind of did the math, they figured out that it was going to raise the the taxes on people so astronomically. They just had to end the program. Same thing goes for Canada. They had tried universal basic income pilot program that totally failed as well. Again, shocker, the government cited high cost when announcing the termination. It was uh, canceled after 15 months when the program was supposed to go for a full three years. Right. So so, so the, the reality is, and they've already stripped away, they've already stripped away all the money. I mean, they're just running it off presses at this point, but how could they possibly even get everyone on universal income? This, 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 this whole system there's just no way. There's no way. It's mm. it's pie in the sky BS smoke being blown up people's butts because, you know, I mean, p- free money. It's all it is. It's just that gimmick of here, free money. Vote for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but no strings all, attached. Right. They don't want to talk about how, you know, they absolutely don't want to talk about how UBI would vastly expand the debt. Which we've just reached. Uh, I don't know if you know this. This week we just reached <laughs> yeah. thirty-one trillion. Yeah. For the first time in history, and that's you know really a point of no return. We have no way of paying that that completely back. Mm-mm. That's but, you the know, goal. But you know, free money and playing victimization card—that's pretty much all the Democrats have to get votes. And they don't care about the debt crisis, as you've mentioned, because they created it, and they have yep. no plans on paying it back. I mean, they plan to actually just create a crash, so then they can reset the system with this digital currency, UBI coupons, <clears throat> for only the obedient global citizens, right? And total right. control. Right. Yeah. And now we got the Federal Reserve last week announced that six of the nation's largest banks will participate in a pilot climate scenario analysis exercise with no commas in there designed to enhance the ability of supervisors and firms to measure and manage climate related financial risks. So they don't go into specific details of what that looks like. Um, they use a lot of jargon in here, just, you know, scenario analysis in which the resilience of financial institutions is assessed under different hy- hypothetical climate scenarios and an emer- is an emerging tool to assess climate related financial risk. And there will be no capital or supervisory implications from the pilot. So they're going to launch this with, I could have told you this blindfolded. I may have missed Citigroup, but I definitely would have gotten the others. We got Bank of America, Citigroup, Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan Chase, Morgan Stanley, and Wells Fargo. 
and they're launching this um, in early 2023 and it'll conclude at the end of the year. And they're saying that at the beginning of the exercise, the board will publish details of the climate, economic, and financial variables that make up the climate scenario narrative. So I don't know that we're going to get any details for a bit on this, but this is... uh, What do you want to bet that they predict some kind of catastrophe in this climate scenario analysis (laughs) that ends up becoming true? I mean, how... Mm -hmm. You know how, how they just have these this uncanny ability to predict things, don't they? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like the monkeypox virus, like COVID. I mean, they just have this uncanny ability to predict these kind of crises that actually end up coming true. We'll see. Yeah, they say they say the climate scenario analysis is distinct and separate from bank stress tests. The board's stress tests are designed to assess whether large banks have enough capital to continue lending to households and businesses during a severe recession. The climate scenario analysis exercise, on the other hand, is exploratory in nature and does not have capital consequences. By considering a range of possible future climate pathways and associated economic and financial developments, scenario analysis can assist firms and supervisors in understanding how climate-related financial risks may manifest and differ from historical experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we can. A lot of word can... salad there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. oh, yeah. But Good times I'll... ahead. Until I, I, can't, I, I can't wait to see their breakdown on the scenarios they're going to roll out for that. Yeah. Yeah. And then let's push those ESGs. Oh, for sure. That's the whole point. Got to get all of the businesses and banks on board with ESG so that we can control the people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm actually surprised they didn't already do this. I feel like they're a little behind the game, you know, on this one. Yeah, yeah, they are actually. It's fourth quarter here for them, and they're really throwing some Hail Marys, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Speaking of fourth quarter here and, you know, just where we are with this whole manufactured debt crisis and potential crash. I mean, we're seeing a lot of activity and a sort of domino effect beginning to happen. First, it was the UK pensions about a week or two ago and the Bank of England bailing them out. And now that's kind of spilling over to Credit Suisse and Deutsche Bank which are potentially facing collapse and possibly even this other bank, another bank, UBS. So credit shares, Swiss credit, Swiss shares tank as capital concerns spark reminder of Lehman Brothers failure. Uh, So on Monday, the credit Swiss plunged to an all time low uh, Mm. and simultaneously credit default swaps which is basically insuring against credits Swiss's defaulting reached record highs. So that's an indicator that investors are freaking out about a potential credit Swiss collapse in the near future. Mm. And same goes. Yeah. Same goes for Deutsche Bank. Stock prices fall as rising default default swaps draw credit Swiss comparisons. So same thing happening over at Deutsche Bank or very similar. I I won't say exactly the same. Credit Swiss seems to be the spear, the tip of the spear, Deutsche Bank following behind as well as um, this possibly spilling over to UBS. 
Uh, again, UBS credit uh, default swaps hit decade high after credit Suisse blowout. So um, are we beginning to see a sort of contagion? It looks like it to me, or a lack of confidence basically in these big banks and that it, sort of uh, lack of confidence building. Could this spread further? I think possibly so. And the big question is, is there going to be a big bailout for these guys again? I mean, this is drawing mm. comparisons to the Lehman Brothers situation. I mean, because, uh, you know, Credit Suisse and Deutsche Bank, they managed together, they manage $2.8 trillion in wow. assets. I mean, that's not even close <clears throat> to the Lehman Brothers situation, which I think was about $600 million back in 2007, 2008 when that failed. So, and these guys are deemed as quote unquote, too big to fail since the Lehman Brothers collapsed in 2007, 2008. So, but what we're seeing are these, really- Are these part of the, uh, are they members? I gotta, re I don't remember. Are they members of the BIS? Do you know? I'm sure they are. Um, I, well, look, what, when I think of BIS, uh, Bank of Inter a Bank for International Settlements, mm -hmm. it's related to really the um, the like the Federal Reserve, the the central banks, right. and um, but then they also have these partnerships with pretty much all all the big banks too. So, yeah, I'm sure they're they're lumped into that. But the as far as the central banks go, everyone's watching it closely. All the central banks have come out, said, yep, we're we're watching Credit Suisse, Credit Suisse closely. So um, I think we'll be getting some more information on potential bailout. I know that Credit Suisse is working on restructuring and possibly uh, selling off portions of the bank, that kind of thing. We'll see what happens. But it looks like we're seeing sort of a domino effect. But Needless to say, the consequences of decades, decades we're talking here of embezzlement, fraud, gross mismanagement, money laundering by governments and banksters, it's all just finally bubbling to the surface now. And they really just can't hide it anymore. So I think they need a diversion. They want a diversion. They want a scapegoat to blame for this fin upcoming financial collapse. And the usual go-to is war. And I think that's why they're really tied together, this this bank situation that we're seeing arise, as well as just this belligerence, this absolute belligerence from world leaders around the globe, <clears throat> not to de-escalate, but to perpetuate war. Mm -hmm. I mean, and you see it in dozens of headlines, different scenarios playing out throughout the world, particularly, of course, with Russia, most notably, with the sabotage, the blowing up of Nord Stream pipelines, um, which could potentially be, and in my opinion, is due to um, the U.S. and maybe even like Poland um, participated in it. But we're talking about um, an act of war here. And, uh, you know, so it's not something to be taken like lightly. And it looks to me like because, you know, the U.S. And, and, and Poland are NATO members. So potentially expanding this this proxy war with Russia into a full on war, uh, mm -hmm. broader war. And then we see stuff happening in Ukraine with Zelensky. Um, I mean, it was just months ago that there was really a, a potential for peace talks 
And, and now here Zelensky is saying he just signed a law that <laughs> um, that Ukraine will not have any peace talks with Putin. It will be impossible. So um, completely shutting the door for any potential for peace talks between Russia and Ukraine as it stands now. So they're just beating the war drums everywhere we look. And same thing happening <clears throat> in China. Um they're prepping um, to invade. And I think that we're going to see some major activity to following on. Yes, following Xi's re-election for an unprecedented third term, which is coming up October 16th. So I think after October 16th, we may see some even more intense activity uh, between China and Taiwan, but they're definitely making some serious preparations right now. And um, we're also seeing North Korea act up again. So, Mm. I mean, North Korea is flying ballistic missiles over Japan and uh, just really everywhere you look, the war drums are beating and the players involved are not even trying to de-escalate it's as though they want to mute. They mutually want to provoke war because it distracts from this growing anger and angst by their own citizens of their own failures and their own corruption. So it's like mm-hmm. this sort of unspoken agreement happening worldwide of uh, perpetuating war. I mean, it's absolutely insane, and and there are serious, serious consequences when we have people using words like nuclear. Right. right. And, I, and I know that uh, a lot of this is to uh, to just really create more fear. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of it is psyops. But at the same time, we just have some really belligerent idiots running things. Right. And, and then uh, they're trying to they're trying to invoke a civil war over here. And we have idiots like Gates saying, well, we're going to have a hung election in a civil war. So, you know, Yes, everything you said, 100%. And there's there's like this constant poking of the bear while at the same time, there's this, hey guys, let's have a civil war. Let's create more chaos. Let's bring it to a point where everyone is so damn scared, you have to be reliant on us. So it's it's paying attention to what's reality versus what's psyop versus you know what i mean and i think it's important that cuz cuz i see it all the time on social media and i've heard people say this in person too where they're like we got to get out with our guns and we got to just have a revolution and we got to go to war and da, 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 da. and i honestly don't think that's going to save the day so <laughs> No, I think that um, I think it's going to be more of like uh, building a a separate society outside Mm -hmm. of their system and uh, the universal mass noncompliance with their system. I think that is the best case scenario. Well, the other thing, too, is is survive and succeed. The one thing we have is our, well, two things is our constitution and uh, our guns. And I don't think people are going to be giving up their guns too easily over here, but the constitution, you know, time and time again, I see, like, if I put something, for example, like in the laundering with immunity report and I say, okay, so here are some things that states can do. And 
And whereas I don't hold my breath on Congress actually revoking this act from 1945 or or altering at least not the Congress we have in place right now, um, on a state level, there are things that can be done that can combat this. And what I'll get oftentimes is, oh, forget it. There's no more law. There's no point in fighting this. There's this or that. Well, this is what they want. They want us to forget about the Constitution. They want us to just throw in the flag and say it's just not worth it. We can't fight it. But people need to look back and th- and actually go through in their minds or dig through the internet and look at um, a lot of things that actually have been fought. A lot of states that stepped up and said, we're making it so that you there is no mandatory jab there are no mandatory masks um we are changing the law so that children no longer can get puberty blockers or have surgery or Um, be indoctrinated with crt and right right roe versus roe versus wade uh there was something what was it i just saw the other day um shoot i can't think of it but my point is there are still fighters out there There are still legislators out there that are fighting some of this. So it's important important not to lose sight of that and to hang on to our constitution because they want to tear it up. And if they do, then I will sit beside you and say, okay, this is pointless. Everybody run. (laughs) No, I absolutely agree with you. And to elaborate on my previous statement about building separate societies outside of their system, I do think that that a lot of that work can be done at the state level. We've seen a template in Florida, in some ways in Texas and other states as well. So I think that that's really, really where we hit them hard is by, and, and we have so much more power um at the local level to look blocked critical race theory across the board yeah so i mean yeah there's there's a lot that can be done on local levels and state levels i'm not i'm not saying a whole hell of a lot about the federal level um because i think personally states need to need to create the state escrow law they need to pull out of the federal reserve they need to they need to you know, get state banks, do away with the central banks. There's, but I, I wish people would get this information into like DeSantis's hands or something, you know, and, and say, look, you need to take charge on this and set the model for people on how to uh, do this, create a state bank, create a depository for gold, uh, pull out of the federal reserve, all, you know, all of this, these are things that can be implemented. And I'm not saying they won't take time, but get started now like exactly yeah like get started yesterday (laughs) and so so that's what people need to focus on because we need to cut off the head of the snake and if you cut off their ability to launder the money with immunity and and they don't even have access to do that in your state and we start getting several states to do this i mean okay so create a division and say half the country you you (laughs) You can live in half the country and you'll be free of it. And the other half, fine. That's better than, you know, the whole country all just playing right into this crap. So I wish people would stop saying, oh, this is pointless. There's no law. I mean, yes, I know there's a ton of corruption, but but we have won many battles if if you take the time to go back and look at all the laws that have been implemented we've we've won a lot of battles we have 
and it's worth the fight because this is the final yeah. stand. I mean, now if you is don't, not the time to be thrown in the towel. No, if you don't, what future do you and your children have? Exactly. If you throw in the towel now, I mean, there is nothing more important than than this stand right here. This is the hill to die on. Yeah. And I do think that we can affect major change in our cities and states. Yeah. And um and separate from the federal government and the overreach and the corruption and the authoritarianism as much as possible at the state and local level. And then we yep. just go, we go John Galt on them, let them collapse. And then we're there to survive it all and rebuild. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Amen, sister. <laughs> That's the plan. <laughs> keep keep and we're faith. sticking to it. <laughs> so right. st- stick with it with us. Yes, definitely, guys. Thanks for sticking with us today. Please be sure to share this podcast. We're on BitChute, Foxhole, Gab TV, iHeartRadio, Odyssey, Pilled, Rumble, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We're no longer on YouTube. And also check out Corey's Digs, the podcast tab, if you ever need the links to our podcast, to any of our platforms. And we'll see you back next time right here on Dig It. Thank you.